thank you for listening to the Manage Smarter Podcast. Your hosts, C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong, navigate new ways to hire, develop, and retain talent, helping your team soar to higher performance. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Manage Smarter Podcast. I am Audrey Strong, Director of Communications for Sales Fuel. And I'm C. Lee Smith, the President and CEO of Sales Fuel. And boy, oh boy, do we have a guest for you today. Steve Sisler has graced us with his presence. He's the author of seven books, a speaker. He's an expert in behavioral recruitment, president of the Behavioral Resource Group, creator of the Maven Way of Management. We're going to define and teach people what that is. SteveSisler.org, BehavioralResourceGroup.com, and Steve Sisler on Twitter. Steve Sisler, thank you for coming today. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And you have got some stories that will not only make people's hair curl, but are very, very, very informative and instructional. So Lee, you wanted to talk first about... Yeah, very real world too, because uh, when it struck me that hearing your last presentation at the Leadership and Talent Development Summit in San Diego past January, you made me think quite a few managers, some of which I've had uh, to manage and some of which I've had to work for over my career... And these are the types of people sort of like that dinosaur and toy story where I don't like conflict. And, you know, <laughs> so it was like they'll, they'll do anything basically to, to avoid conflict. But, but sometimes that's really not management. And so you've told a couple of really good stories of examples of that that you've encountered during your practice. And I'd like you to kind of share those out because I thought there was there's some really interesting lessons to be learned there. Okay, sure. Well, you know, one that stands out, which is the one I probably mentioned in the presentation I gave in San Diego was a situation where one of the employees would often, I guess, pretty often come in late or not at all. And so I was basically in strong relationship with the organization. Everybody in the C-level suite and upper management suites had been fully behavioral analyzed and profiled. So I had all their, quote, numbers on file. So I just have to take the phone call, pull the numbers, and tell them what's going on and why it's happening that way, based upon that personality type. So I get a call from, I'll just call her Bonnie. It wasn't her name, but I'll just say Bonnie called me up and said, Steve, we need to profile somebody. And I said, okay, why? And she said, well, to be honest with you, she's weird. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I still love that. Oh, God. And so... I said, okay, what define weird? And she said, well, you know, she didn't come in this morning. She's supposed to be here at 8. I get a call around 8.30. And she lets me know that she has a, you know, a pretty bad sunburn. And so wouldn't be coming in. And I said, oh, okay. I said, so what else did she say? And what did you say? She said, well, I, you know, I was a little upset because she didn't give me any warning. But I asked her if she covered, got her bases covered and made sure her responsibilities were taken over by somebody else or whatever. And I said, what did she answer to that? She said, yeah, she said she did that. I said, okay, then what did you do? And then I get this long silence. And I said, Bonnie, what did you say to her after that? And she said, well, I just told her I hope she feels better. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, okay, let me get this right. She doesn't call in till half hour late, never gives you warning, just doesn't show up. How often does this happen? 
Oh, maybe one or two times a month. Uh, I said, that's often. She said, yeah, it's like annoying. And I said, well, let me tell you something, Oni. She's not weird. You're weird. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, what do you mean? I said, no, I want you to tell me something. Knowing your profile, what is it you try to avoid most? And she thought for a minute. And she said, conflict. And I said, that's right. And I said, you see what you're doing here is when you're forced with a confrontation, you have a fear of being a bad person. And the reason why she had a fear of being a bad person is because she was excessively, what's known as excessively, altruistically driven. And what that means is these people see the value in other people sooner than they see the value in themselves. Mm. And they actually believe that those people are more valuable than they are. Mm -hmm. And so to confront a more valuable person makes them feel like they don't have enough emotional clout to be able to make that call. So rather than reasoning all of this through to a proper conclusion, they don't reason. They don't even think about it. They're working on how they're feeling in the moment, and that's how they act. And then in the end, they wonder what's going on here. And so Bonnie's problem was she didn't see herself as the leader that was had the capacity to do what needed to be done. But unfortunately, she was in that role. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so what having to deal on? with that, I said, listen, we don't have to profile this girl. We've already got you profiled. Hmm. You need to find a way and a strategy to be able to say more controversial and what you would consider harder things to people. And so one of the ways I offer for her to do that is this is a way that she can help this girl, not correct her, Mm -hmm. but to help her in the future so that she doesn't end up losing a job because she fails to give fair warning for absences or whatnot. And that gave her more courage because now she's doing this girl a favor Mm -hmm. rather than confronting. So we had to kind of figure out a workaround in the brain in an effort to make this happen. Now, was this particular manager going to be good at confrontation ever? No, Mm -mm. never. It would always be a struggle. It'll always be difficult. So what do you do in a case like that? At times we have to think, is this person able to change into what degree or do we need to do an exchange because what they are unable to do is increasingly becoming more and more of a problem. So the head is saying one thing. I know my title is this and I know that she reports to me, but my motivator is just completely taking over everything. That's right. And remember, she was an extremely low dominant brain type, which means she had virtually no anger emotion. Okay, so angry people, when they orient in the outside world, they look out into that world and see what's valuable, and then they take it. Yeah, honey badger, baby. (laughs) They become what's known as a take, they have a taking orientation. What Bonnie did, I keep almost saying her real name. Oh, careful. (laughs) What Bonnie did was... She would see things of value as lying outside of herself, but they can only be received from an outside source. So if I don't give it to her, she can't have it. Hmm. So if I don't give her the tools to do what needs to be done, she can't do it on her own. 
So what was the workaround you, you prescribed for her? As far as? Well, it's like, so she needed some sort of technique, I would guess, to kind of help her overcome her fear of conflict and that sort of thing to be able to manage this gal properly. Well, what she ended up doing was another individual came into the department who was an influencer and had a lot more energy for talking with other people. Now, this person was also non-confrontational as a whole, but it could be masked by their enthusiasm, straightforwardness, outgoingness. So she just developed a relationship that was good enough to where she could say just about anything. Hmm. And some of those dealings ended up being delegated to this other individual. Mm. So that really saved her. Yeah. So she's better at tasking, creating, putting things together and dealing with things, but struggled to deal with people that were difficult. She could deal with non-difficult people, but, but this other person did really well. I see sometimes that companies will, you know, when they struggle with that area, they'll create policies, you know, mm -hmm. for, for that. Is that something that, that Bonnie ended up doing? Yes. Well, I did talk to her about that. I said, if you have a policy, then you could blame the policy. Hmm. So according to our policy, this is unacceptable behavior. I really feel bad about this, but there's nothing we can really do about it. It's sort of like a Christian hiding behind their Bible. Hmm. So I say the harder thing that I think needs to be said, but you got to blame God. Mm -hmm. You see, I mean, like we yeah. all do this. We find a higher authority, whether, you know, that was more of a religious perspective, but there's political perspectives, there's work perspectives, there's policy perspectives, and we bring that authority in to do our harder work for us. Yeah, so I, I don't want to be the bad cop. I don't want to be thought of as the bad guy here and everything like that. I'm going to let the policy be the bad guy. Absolutely. And I'm going to be like, yeah, gee, you know, I'd love to help you. And I would, you know, it's totally up to me. Yeah. But, you know, we got this yeah. bad policy over here. Absolutely. You're going to start I've got another situation that's really, really powerful. And somebody I know personally has a relative through marriage living in their home and they can't get them out. Oh. Ooh. And because. She's wired just like Bonnie is. And so is the husband. So it's a real problem. Oh, wow. So basically, it's come down to this. Basically, finding another place to live. And when the house sells, that person's got to move. <laughs> I mean, well, that's one way to do it. <laughs> it's so, it's been <laughs> so difficult that that's now their option. And we talked about it this morning. Oh, wow. That's wild. We went into talk. If you can believe that. No. <laughs> that no, is, I can. It's so difficult to basically, to do this would be to throw that person out in the street and they have kids. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I can totally see that. You see what I mean? So it's really, really difficult. But at the same time, it's causing a lot of problems. A I think lot it's of almost problems. harder when it's family. It's almost even that whole extra You're layer right. of dynamic gets filtered over every other Problem. Well, not only that, your brain and your genomes are wired to preserve family. Family first mm -hmm. begins yeah. on a cellular level. Mm -hmm. I mean, so it's not just Quite a literally. decision. Yeah. It's yeah. part of how we're wired as people. So is the conflict-diverse manager, would you say that they're, they're the type of people that, you know, when they have the 
fight or flight, you know, options available to them and everything like that, that they'll choose flight every single time because they don't want to, you know, get in there and muck it up. And Well, it's not flight. It's resignation. Oh. So what they do is it's sort of like this. If a bear wanders into the campsite, they play dead. They don't run. Mm -hmm. They play dead. They pretend it's not happening in hopes it will go away. Okay. Yeah. And so they'll just, you'll ask them direct questions and they'll just look at you. (laughs) And they're like, I really can't answer that. It's sort of like somebody on the stand in court, leaning into the microphone and pleading the fifth. Yeah. Like they just don't answer you. And it's shocking. You're like, how can you not answer me? So they're just sort of at a loss. They are. They're at a brain loss. And it's because basically, imagine this. Imagine having a tool bag. And imagine in the tool bag are your tools. We call it psychic energy. So whenever you want to do something, you have to dip into your brain to see which energetic systems are available. There's only four. There's anger, optimism, patience, and fear. Those are what's available. And they come in specific sizes each. So depending upon how big your anger is versus how big your patience is, that's one tool you can pull out of the bag. Mm. So people that are conflict avoidant, when they reach into their tool because they need a hammer, there just isn't one in the bag. <laughs> it's a Nerf hammer. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's just, it's not even that. It's, it's not, even there. not there. It's- <laughs> That's such so a good what are they going to do? Like, yeah, yeah. They can't invent it. <laughs> if it's not there, they have to use what is available. So all managers then, okay, have these characteristics or whatever, and it's a two-edged sword because sometimes that anger can really you know, work against you as well as work for you, and the same thing goes for patients or lack thereof, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what happens if all you have is a hammer? Everything you look in, everything looks like a nail, right? That's exactly right. (laughs) So that becomes its own set of problems. So it's one thing to understand that this is happening, and it's another thing to come up with processes that we can use in order to do things better. And I never suggest becoming another person. That's not what we want people to do. We want them to be able to capitalize on who they are. Mm And sometimes it's better because who they are is excellent for this, 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 and this, but it's not good for that. Well, farm that out. Like, don't ruin the person by saying, no, you got to fix that. Is the opposite of a conflict-averse manager another type of person we want to talk about, which is a micromanager? So It's a conflict creator. Mm -hmm. There, okay. Okay, so people that are dominant in personality or have very high anger traits, they need problems and challenges. So if you don't have any, they create them. Mm -hmm. Okay, a good example of that is our current president. As soon as everything seems to be going a little bit smoothly, (laughs) he has to ruin it. Let's turn over some tables. All about the drama. Let's fire some people. Yeah, always has to change it up because he's basically, here's the reason, he's bored. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, so... This is what happens. Now, there are some people, they do better in chaos. Mm-hmm. And so they have to create that. Mm-hmm. And so whatever we function well in, good or bad, we will create in an effort to feel 
comfortable. It's what we call hell is home. So how do you know? I mean, how do you know that how much of these four things that each manager has to, and, and to what degree? Well, again, what we do is we run a profile on people. We have an assessment called TARP, TARP, which stands for Taking, Attracting, Responding, and Preserving. Good example, former Vice President Al Gore is a preserver. Mm. So what does he do? He tries to protect the world from all the bad people in it. He's preserving it, mm-hmm. right? So everything is preservation-driven. People that are like that as managers, they keep all the passwords and don't share them with anyone. <laughs> They hoard, they hold on to information and don't give it out because anyone who takes it is a hostile entity. It's job preservation, man. Come on. Yeah. There's all kinds of reasons, but you're either a preserver, yeah. you're a responder, you're an attractor, or you're a taker. And there's combinations. So we measure and we know right away all the company calls say, you know, we've got a problem. Who is it? I look up the file and I'll say, let me guess. And I'll just look at those numbers and imagine what's going on. And I'm usually right. And then you'll tell them what kind of car they drive. It's amazing how you do that, too, by the way. <laughs> I messaged Steve after a speech in San Diego. And I said, uh, on Facebook, remember I said to you, I said, God, it's terrifying to think of what my numbers would look like. Like, just, well, you're so spot on accurate. Yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with the numbers. What we do is <laughs> here's how you think. Here's how you are in the world. Now, depending on what you're doing, who you're doing it with, and who you're doing it for, will determine Mm. how well this is working, right? And so that's what we want to know. So sometimes I'm a tomato, which I should be in a salad, but instead I'm in somebody's toolbox and I'm wondering why I come home bruised. That's clever. So you don't say, well, you should be a hammer. Well, that's like (laughs) saying... You know, Lee, you should be a female. I mean, you can't do that. I've been told worse. A lot of of people try to coach people into a different personality. Mm -hmm. And you can't. And nor should you. Yeah, because you end up not taking advantage of all the positive things while trying to eliminate the negatives. That's exactly right. So every company that hires us going forward, we just hire the right person. Mm. Wow, that makes it a lot easier. I mean, it's so simple. (laughs) It's stupid. So let me ask you a question based off of that comment. Then It's like, okay, are there types of managers on the TARP profile, whatever, that you find to be better suited, Mm. more likely better suited for the management role than others? In any industry? You're just saying overall? I'm just saying in general. Yeah, because okay. it's like, yeah, Steve's seen it all. So. Yeah, so here's what I do. So who are they managing, right? And who are they subordinate to? There you go. Right? So you got manage up, manage down. What do those groups look like? Because we'll have all the personalities on file. And I'll be able to say... This person is going to get along with this person, this person, and this person. They're going to struggle with that person. How important is that to you? Mm. So let's say that you've you've got a real hard driving boss or whatever that, you know, they're an entrepreneur. They're thinking a mile a minute, but it's like, and they're never satisfied with that things are happening quickly enough. Let's get shit done all the time, all the time. It's like, so there's certain people types you do not want working for that person. Passive. Mm, yeah. Passive styles with very low anger have two speeds, slow and slower. <laughs> right? 
right? That's a problem with that. You can't take a Jetta into the Daytona 500. A Yugo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a Volkswagen Jetta or, or some small yeah. four-cylinder vehicle, a Yaris, mm-hmm. a Toyota Yaris, mm-hmm. out into you know the Daytona 500. It's just not smart. But we have Yaris's on the Daytona 500, and we're upset because it's not working. And they're slowing all the other cars down. That's exactly right. So that if you drive too slow, you'll get just as much of a ticket from the police from driving too fast. Mm-hmm. It's true because it's just as much a problem. I agree. So understanding your speeds, everybody has two speeds. Some are fast and faster. Some are slow and slower. Some ride the brake downhill. (laughs) So they are frustrated people types. Their brain's always going, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? And we can measure it. Um, So we know that, you know, you're going to have trouble because you're indecisive. So what tips would you have then for the conflict avoidant manager in today's workforce. I mean, particularly I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about millennials. I'm thinking about the Gen Z's coming up after that, the younger folks that, that need that real-time feedback all the time and everything like that. It's like, you know, what kind of advice would have you given to people like that? And would you give to some of the people who okay. might be listening? Advice to, to give to people entering haven't done anything yet. If you're a tomato, find a salad. Mm. In other words, do not put yourself in positions where the personality you have works strongly against you. Stack the deck. Listen, I'm not an advocate of putting somebody in a difficult situation and telling them to suck it up. It's really not fair to that person's brain. And it's to say that your brain as is, is not good enough. It might be spectacular in another job. Mm. Or another Mm. company. And another company. That's right. Some people, they're in a large company and do really well. They leave that company, go to a very small startup and suck. Mm -hmm. Because the larger company masked inabilities and the smaller company revealed them. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people think they're better than they actually are because this environment's more conducive to their brain type than that one. If so, that happens, you've got a choice. I either go back into a larger environment where I swim really well, or I have to make some real major adjustments. Are they worth it? Right. So, so that's sort of like in, in sports, like, you know, when you have a trade between two players or whatever they call it, it's a change of venue trade, you know, where it's like, okay. yeah, they're both good players or whatever. <laughs> they're just not a good fit for the environment that they're in right now. That's, that's right. Maybe everybody wins. That's right. And we're in a world right now where Facebook and Twitter and these different things, everybody's putting out there their emotional prowess and their ability to do this and that. And you got all these people selling you on courses and how you can be another person. None of that is true. If you go to a meeting to learn to sell Amway and there's 500 people there, 10 of them will be successful. Yeah. Well, everybody else wants to be successful, but doesn't have the tools to do it. And that sounds awfully stressful and exhausting. It's terrible. <laughs> I had a person one time come to me and say, that we're going to sell these products, blah, blah, blah. And I said, listen, no, you're not. You're not going to sell them. You're going to give them away. And they said, what do you mean <laughs> you're going to give? You're going to give them away because you're passive, you're non-confrontational. You're going to go to your friends. And then when people are down and out, can't afford it, you're going to give it to them. Uh-huh. Listen, I know your brain. They did it anyway, and within six months, all their product was stacked in their family room, and they were giving it out. 
God. It's <laughs> like in high school when you had to buy your parents bought all your chocolate bars for the choir. That's right. And then there's that one kid who's like making a business out of it. Oh, yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. Right? And he's also offering lottery tickets. (laughs) (laughs) What's the, for those that want to get in touch with you, Steve, what is your preferred way? And then also just for those that are curious in terms of process in hiring, you know, behavioral resource group and getting, you know, bringing you in for a consult and to evaluate the team. Can you just share a little bit about timeline and how that works for interested folks? Yeah. So. If people want to get in touch with me, behavioralresourcegroup.com is the best way. If you go to stevesisler.org, it'll put you there. It'll want to send you there. But typically, anybody who's interested from an organizational standpoint, I will give them a profile and run them through the debriefing, and then they can feel it for themselves. Okay. In other words, I'll know more about them than anybody alive. About how long does that take? So to go through the process online, filling out the questionnaire, takes 15 to 20 minutes. Wow. Wow. My debrief is one hour. And when we're done, you hire me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not simple. Yeah. He's not lying, too, because I got to no, tell not. you what, it's like an hour with Steve Sisler or whatever. It's like you will learn so much and some of it you won't like, but like you will learn so much that during that hour. It's like you'll definitely want to hire him. Yes, you need to be sislered. I'd made it into a verb. So. I, actually, I have other clients that, have, that say that. <laughs> well, we hope some people will get a hold of you, Steve, and we appreciate your insights. I feel like we could, you know, do another hour on this. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be on and share with you guys. Yeah. Thanks. Come on again, okay? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Steve. Okay. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.